0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
1: BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. This is Cruise Control, that car show here on BFM. Uh, I'm joined as usual by my two very good friends, Ali Johan and of course Daniel Fernandez from dsf.my. Say hello, Ali. Good evening, good evening. Say hello, Daniel. Good
2: evening, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for still listening to our show.
1: There we go. And as usual, a show in three parts today. Uh, part one, we've got some uh, launches, a bit of news, and then up in part two, we've got uh, a, a bit of a discussion about Chevrolet and whether or not they can make a comeback into the region. And then wrapping up with a car review of the Mercedes-Benz EQC 400 4 That's all coming up throughout the show And if you want to get in touch Get us via our U-Mobile WhatsApp number 018-789-8899 Ali, kick us off then What have we got?
0: Local launch this week uh, Mercedes-Benz This week they announced and unveiled An SUV A 2023 edition of the GLC 300 4 Daniel Yes,
2: it's a completely new car. I mean, if you if you put both vehicles side by side, then you'll see all the changes and the, the attention to detailing. If you see it by itself, you'll think, is it really a new car? Well, it is. So, this new JLC uh, launched, as usual, you know, Mercedes-Benz puts up a real good show. They had it in Desa Park City. But it had a lot of negative social media attention after its launch. It started filtering into... <laughs> Our Facebook page also, like, you know, comments are coming in. Then when you look at all the comments, it was all targeted at just one thing and one thing only, price. Uh People in Malaysia, whenever they see a price, they get a little bit agitated and you want to know why it's gone up. With this vehicle, the GLC 304 Matic, number one, this first batch is all fully imported. Now, with any car, when they come in, uh, you know, whatever brand, whether it's Japanese, European, uh, uh, Korean or whatever, if they do fully imported, of course, it's going to be more expensive because the tax and the duty system is different. Mm. Then they decide whether they want to do a, a local assembled version. Mercedes has done this year in year. They do a huge local assembly in Pekan, but they always start with a CBU version because there are some customers who just want a fully imported one and they're willing to pay the extra price. Mm-hmm. Now, this GLC 304 Matic, of course, comes with a new powertrain. 2-litre, 4-cylinder, 258 PS, 400 Newton-meters. It'll do 0 to 106.2 seconds. Top speed is 240. Now, all that is great. But when they mentioned the price of 349,800, everybody jumped. And this is what everyone is still jumping on right now. It's 80,000 ringgit more than the previous GLC.
1: That's a fair
2: jump. It is a fair jump, but they don't seem to understand this one little thing. When the earlier GLC was introduced about almost four years ago, the CBU version was much higher. Then, of course, when they introduced the CKD, the price came down by about 30,000 ringgit. I'm assuming when they do the local assembly, the price will come down by 20 to 30,000 ringgit. So, yes, it'll still be more expensive than the older GLC. Mm -hmm. But everything is going up in price logistic cost parts assembly and then this is a new vehicle so you have to look at you know currency exchange you know yeah yeah so an additional price is is is, i think i think justifiable and you see when you're when you're a powerful brand you can actually tweak things around now for them i think they've they've looked at it and said okay people are upset but here's the best part the first batch is sold out by the time the CKD comes out there'll be a waiting list. You heard it here first. It happens all the time, mm. Mm. you know. So those who can afford it, there's still enough Malaysians out there with money. The other thing that also was mentioned, you know, in in all these Facebook postings was why is it more expensive than the recently launched GLC Coupe? Now the coupe version has got a slightly more streamlined profile at the back. Now the GLC Coupe is four hundred and nineteen thousand. Okay. Mm. Now, of course, it's two different classes of cars. Now. It's still, again, a Mercedes-Benz. It's still, you know, an imported vehicle. So, let's not harp on all this. Let's just put it aside. Nobody is forcing you to go into a Mercedes showroom and buying.
0: Going back to the first time it came out in Malaysia 2016 until now, the GLC already sold over 12,000 units rich. So, very popular car. But um, as Daniel mentioned, this one is going to be fully imported. The new GLC 300 formatic just launched this week. You can look at photos, and you can just go to the Mercedes-Benz showroom to have a look at it. So it's been more than one year since Burma's Auto Alliance launched Peugeot's 2008, which is this mm. compact crossover. Peugeot uh, with the 2008, they are putting up this special edition package, adding more exterior design to keep the cars fresh a bit. Uh, price at an extra two thousand nine hundred ringgit if you want the the SE edition.
2: This. 2008 Peugeot. It's a 1.2, a specification. That's the, the, the nameplate. Now, it's got a, you know, 1.2 litre engine turbocharged priced at $126,700. it has got all the features and the engine and the tech and all to say, okay, yes, buy me. But the problem is, The competition is coming, like you said, from the Koreans and also from the Malaysian car market. And they are cheaper. So when they are cheaper, of course, people say, I might as well go for that. Persia has never been really a hot seller when it comes to small vehicles. Their big vehicles sell well, the 3008 and the 5008. So what I think Burma is doing is they're just tickling some interest by adding some accessories worth two thousand nine hundred ringgit. So the price moves up a little bit to almost 130000 But then now, you know, they make it like a special edition. It might tweak some interest. I personally think it's still going to be a hard sell because the mm-hmm. market has just got cheaper options, that's all.
1: Hang yeah. on, mm-hmm. an appearance package is is, is is a bunch of stickers?
0: A new set of rims. Got a new set of rims, okay. Mm. All right, just, just want to be clear. <laughs> uh, right, what, what else have we got? Volvo Car has just opened its newest and largest damage repair centre in Juru in Penang. And now this facility is equipped with the best state-of-the-art systems that comply with the latest green technology so you can have um, high quality body repair and paint service for all your Volvo owners out there in the northern region especially
2: now you know Volvo is doing something which I'm actually quite impressed with number one they've already moved their sales up by more than 50% they're now doing 3,000 over cars a year when you have more cars on the road you're definitely going to have more accidents Volvo may be the safest car with great safety features but there will always be someone who will come and hit you (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) And also, you never know, in rain, in floods, and whatever else. So, Volvo is saying this. I'm going to build high-quality repair centers around the country, not in just one location. They, they opened two in Klang Valley already recently. Now they're opening one in Juru. This means people who buy and own new Volvos, even older ones if you want to do it, if you have an unwanted incident and mm. there's insurance uh, coverage, you can go and get it repaired to almost new. Well, they say up to new. I'm saying almost new because to get it right up to new, I think it's going to be a bit difficult. But the equipment they're using, the paint shop, the chassis alignment machine, the damage control machine, all the tools, everything comes from Europe. Everything is exactly the same as it's done in Europe. Very yeah, interesting. So they're putting up this 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 quality and they're saying to the competition, hey, listen, we are doing this. Why haven't you done it yet?
1: Right. Yeah, they yeah. are throwing a gauntlet down.
2: Now, you know, opening the centers uh, is not just money. Uh, it's mm. You've got to find a location big enough and with good access. Because why? You're going to have vehicles coming in all times of the day. You're going to have vehicles coming in, you know, throughout the night. Because why? Accidents happen at all times. You know what I mean? Uh, mm. So, you got to have good location and good access. So, I think more and more dealers will be expanding into this business because it's profitable, you know. It makes money. And for the insurance companies, they'll be more inclined to work with professional accident repair centres like this because they know there'll be no hanky-panky with the components, you know.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All authorised and all legit, right? Correct, correct. Yeah, okay. So that's the new Volvo Certified Damage Repair Centre just opened up in Penang in Juru. Moving on to a bit of a global news here. Do you guys remember Alfa Romeo? I'm sure you do, Daniel. But Richard, very popular when you were growing up, right? Well,
2: there have been rumours circulating, you know, sometime before COVID hit the world. And, you know, even even last year, you know, just quiet rumours that, you know, people were looking into the brand, looking at reigniting the brand. The problem with Alfa is they only have three models that will suit Malaysian customers. The, of course, the Julia but it's too expensive because it, it it costs almost the price of a Maserati Ghibli. Mm. And then you got the Stelvio, which is an SUV which Malaysians love, but also costing a little bit too high. Then they've got a Tonale, which is a smaller SUV. So, we're keeping our fingers crossed that they actually have a clear vision because they're part of the Stellantis group. Let's hope that it does come back.
0: So, that's where we're at, Richard. We might or we hope to see Alfa Romeo back in this country. As Daniel mentioned, it might still be an imported uh, game here, but two cars are still using petrol here are uh, the alfa romeo stelvio and the julia
1: the alfa romeo yes all right ladies and gents we're going to take a short break uh, and when we come back we're talking about the Chevys. can chevrolet make a comeback back here in malaysia second third fourth times the charm i don't know we'll be right back after these messages here on bfm 89.9 BFM 89.9 The Business Station Welcome back to Cruise Control I'm Rich Bradbury As usual I'm joined by my friends Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my And of course Ali Johan If you're only just joining us We've been talking about the Mercedes GLC 300 The Volvo Repair Centre up in Penang And the Peugeot 2008 SE Amongst other things Now it's a topic of conversation Can Chevrolet make a comeback Here in the ASEAN region? What's going
2: on Daniel? Okay this is um, you know very strong brand Chevrolet if you look at it in, in terms of global market they've done really well in China they're doing really really well from, for for some time uh, but in in Asia they've sort of you know slowly i would say gone backwards like you know and and it all started with with them coming into Malaysia many years ago they came in Malaysia with DRB Highcom they did some business here they sold quite a bit of cars I, i'm sure you guys remember the Chevrolet Captiva uh, that was an SUV, quite reasonably priced. Uh, they had a diesel version, petrol version. Then they had the Avio sedan. Um, they had the Cruze. You know, they had, they had some nice products, and they and they were selling them. But you know, they never brought the latest products to Malaysia. They always brought what they thought would make them the best profit lah. That's what I'll say lah. You know, mm. now they were in Indonesia for much longer. They were there. They even had a factory. Their local partnerships, their dealers. They were doing very well. And then in Thailand. At one point, they were the number two selling brand. Can you believe that? Oh, well, interesting. Now, they were just after Toyota. Now, Toyota had a big advantage. But between number one and number two, big gap. But number two, Chevrolet, followed by so many other brands. For Chevrolet to be above all the other Japanese brands in Thailand at that time, was quite an achievement, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But again, they were dumping. I would use the word dumping because they are putting out not so latest technology and... They never looked after local dealers. So, in Indonesia, at some point, the buyers lost a lot of faith in them. And slowly, the, the sales started dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. It dropped to such a point that they closed down their factory, closed down their dealers, and they exited Indonesia. Huh. Now, in Thailand, same thing happened. It went from number two to number zero. Oh. You know? Because again, they were not bringing in new products. you are not looking after after-sales. You know, there was a point, I think more than more than 10 years ago, if you go to Thailand, the, the, the Thai police were using the Avio sedan, the cruise sedan, and also the Colorado pickup truck as their official vehicles. Huh. You know, the government is using it, you know? Hmm. Now, how did it fall? Because why? They didn't look after their customers. Chevrolet as a brand looks after customers in bigger markets. But when it comes to Asia... They tend to, you know, like, do bother lah. That's what happened in Malaysia. Because why? The last company that handled, after DRB gave it up, Chevrolet was, you know, sitting a little bit dormant. And then the NASA group took it over and they, and they said, okay, we'll take care of the brand. It was called NASA Quest. They took out a the brand. They launched the, the the Malibu. They launched the Orlando. Uh, Orlando is a small compact SUV, very nice looking. Then they, they had the cruise also, the, the facelifted cruise. And they had the pickup truck. Mm. the the Colorado. Now, all these vehicles were very impressive, nicely equipped, price was okay. And then you had the big American image on it, you know? So sales were good initially. But then after sales started to suffer. Now, when after sales suffer, it's not just because of the local distributor. The local distributor can only do as much as they can if they got the parts coming in, right?
0: Now, if I'm selling
2: a vehicle but I don't have support for parts and I don't have support for technology and I don't have support for recalls, how do I keep my customers happy?
1: Well, you can't, can you?
2: Exactly. So what a lot of people don't understand is when someone takes over a dealership, they spend a lot of money, they put up showrooms, they hire people. Now, all this is huge investment. So how do you get back your investment? You get back your investment by selling vehicles. That's the first part of the investment. The second part of investment is after sales. You need after sales to keep the business going. Now, if you're, if you're ignoring your local, your local Malaysian partner, your local Malaysian partner turns to who? He has to try and figure it out himself.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
2: So, th- after a certain time, they just had to, sorry, we have to give up this business. It's just not working out. Wow. And this is exactly what has happened with other brands in Malaysia. For example, what we spoke about earlier, Alfa Romeo. Remember Fiat? Fiat left Malaysia more than two decades ago. They have never come Mm -hmm. back. Now, you see, there are brands like this who don't look after their customers. And when they don't look after their customers, everyone blames the local office. Mm. But sometimes, it's the parent. So, in this case, it was the parent. Because it was not just a Malaysian problem. It was also Indonesia and Thailand. So, now, we've heard some rumblings that Chevrolet might come back to Malaysia. So... Why was the, the
1: the big disconnect there Daniel why why did they not why, why did they think it was okay to treat the the local markets the way in which they did do things?
2: well it's it's not even with this branch you know, there's a lot of other brands out there which are now existing mm. and and surviving and selling that also have problems with their parents and they just make it work because they've invested a lot of money in the business you know mm. but at some point, at some point, no matter how deep your pockets are, you'll say, <laughs> enough is enough. La. And you'll just walk away. Now, I don't want to mention these brands because you know we know they have problems and we don't want to get lawsuits. But over the years, I've come to learn that, a, that there have been brands that have had problems with their parents and they say, okay, la, since you treat me like this, I'll try and work it out. La. And I'll try and work it out. I'll give you an example. Even motorcycle brands have this problem. Certain motorcycle brands, the parent will say, oh, no problem. I'll supply you spare parts. And then suddenly... Lack of spare parts. So what happens? The local office needs to run to Vietnam, needs to run to India, needs to run to Singapore to get parts. I mean, I'm talking about different brands line, you know? But the parent should be supplying you these parts and also recalls. Recalls are important because why? Well, if there's a recall and you don't handle it from from the from the headquarters, the local office won't know what to do. Because it's your product. The local office is just a seller, you All know. Right. But yeah. you produce the product, you should have the solution. And the capability to solve the problem and then you send it down to the local office but if they're not doing it then you're in trouble so chevrolet now has got a new range of electric vehicles now i I brought this up because when i heard the rumblings i looked at you know what they have right now which is the new electric blazer and i was speaking to one of these people and said oh so you might think about bringing it back because of electric cars and then he nodded and said well first of all electric cars no tax right now number two the Blazer is a really good-looking vehicle. Mm. And now with a lot of these electric cars, things can be done over the air. Interesting. Right? So this could be the vehicle that will reignite Chevrolet because whoever is going to do this now will need to talk to the regional office because why? Indonesia and Thailand will also be involved. And Indonesia and Thailand is going very fast into electric cars. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's still a lot of fascination with American brands, you know? Mm. And to my knowledge, only Chevrolet and Ford have right-hand drive vehicles for our market. All right, folks, it's time
1: for us to take a short break here on Cruise Control. But of course, we've still got another part coming up. It is a review of the Mercedes-Benz EQC 400 4MATIC. Do not go anywhere. We'll be right back here on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, the business station. We're into the third and final segment of the car show here on VFM. I'm Rich Bradbury, as usual, with Ali Johan and Daniel Fernandez. We've had stuff on the Mercedes GLC 300. We've had the Volvo repair center up in Penang, the Peugeot 2008 SE. Chevy making a comeback into our region. Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. Finally, a car review of the Mercedes-Benz. EQC 400 formatted. Daniel, tell us about this thing.
2: This is a very surprising product, and I'll tell you why. Because (laughs) they surprised us by finally giving it to us to test drive. (laughs) Because it's been around for some time. They launched it a couple of years ago, and, you know, we asked for a test drive, and then they said, yeah, okay, okay, we'll arrange, arrange." They arrange the other models, but this one, uh, every time I ask it, I hope you're listening, Mercedes-Benz. Anyway, (laughs) so finally they gave it to us, and I think the reason is because they had short supply and high demand. You know, so even without any effort, this car was selling, and it was selling well. Now I'll tell you why it was selling well. You know, Mercedes had a smaller EV called the EQA. Now the EQA was about you know two hundred or thousand ringgit. It competed with the with the Volvo XC Forty recharge. It had you know, in our features and everything else. But the EQA sat on the uh, a normal petrol power plant uh, platform, you know. Mm, mm. So, it's not a dedicated EV platform. Now, again, this EQC also, same format. It came on the GLC platform. The GLC which you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, the older GLC platform was take, taken and they converted it into an electric vehicle. Now, in terms of design, I think it worked very well. You know, it's got a nice, sleek, slippery shape. It's not in your face. It's something that, you know, very hard for you to age, you know? Mm. Okay? And that front, that, that, that nose treatment and everything else, nice, sleek. You still got that big Mercedes emblem. You know what is coming at you if you look in the rearview mirror. So, they had everything sort of, you know, ready and going for it. Now, what competed with this vehicle was the BMW iX3 and the ix both were priced very similar, around the same uh, same price kind of range. But the problem is, you don't see as many EQCs on the road, right? Mm. Yeah. You see more of the rivals. Now, I think it's again a supply issue or maybe Mercedes is said, okay, let's transition to a whole new platform and then we start selling aggressively. Still, when we got the vehicle, we were very happy. We took it out for test drive and even though it's a few years old, it impressed us. And I'll tell you why it impressed us. First of all, build quality. This vehicle is built like its petrol sibling, solid, well-built, beautiful finish inside, nice instrument cluster. In fact, after a while, you forget it's an electric vehicle. You, st- you still think you're driving the petrol version, which to me is good news because we transition from petrol to ice. Some people find it difficult to accept that whole total electric environment, you know. Mm. Mm. I'm talking about cabin. Electric cars tend to come with a different cabin feel, look and function, Because manufacturers want to give them a totally uh, unique look, you know, as such, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But some people find it difficult to transition. Now, younger generation, no problem. People like Ali, young boy, no problem you can transition. Yeah. Older man like me, uh, we need some time, you know. So, when you get into this car, you don't think you're an electric car. You think you're still in a GLC. It's got the same kind of size, footprint, look and feel. You know, even the dashboard, only certain things are different like the air con vents you know some little functions you start it up then you realize okay i'm driving electric car which is great anyway so you drive it out it's smooth it's 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 like any other electric car electric cars tend to have the same kind of driving environment you know mm, mm. It's, it's just how fast how good can you break because why it's all about acceleration it's all about how quickly you can stop and all electric cars do it really well. Some do it slightly better because they've got two motors. Some do it slightly less because they've got a single motor. Then you've got battery range. Now, everybody talks about battery range, battery range, battery range. Now, all that is fine as long as you know how to play with your, with your battery system. If you're going to be accelerating nonstop at every time uh, the light changes green, then your battery is going to go. Mm. Yeah, this vehicle does 0 to 105.1 seconds. You don't need to show everybody on the road your 5.1 seconds. You know what I mean? <laughs> 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 Only when yeah. you, you you really need it, then you use it. Because you've got 408 horsepower, 760 newton meters of torque. That's a lot of power available to you. Insane. You know? Yeah, insane. And I and to me, actually, I think, do we really need this much power? But that is a selling point of electric cars right now. Power delivery and battery range. So... If you drive with a normal right foot, that means you're not accelerating all the time. You're just driving as you drive normally. You're not trying to prove anything to anyone. You'll get about 430 to 420 kilometers of driving range, which I think is good enough right now unless you're trying to make a long interstate trip. Okay? Hmm. Now, a lot of people say, oh, you know, uh, brand X, brand Y can do 500 kilometers and 550 and 600. Yes, but brand X, brand Y as we know it, are smaller vehicles. Now, smaller vehicles means they are lighter. You need less battery power to push them along. This is a big vehicle. Mm. This is huge. This is like, like I said, this is using the same GLC platform. So, a big vehicle, more weight will take more battery power. So, understand that. Now, if you're talking about charging infrastructure, we've gone through all this before. I think there's enough charging infrastructure except on long weekends and festive seasons. Because why? everybody is trying to go somewhere, you know? But on a normal day-to-day operation, you got your home, you got shopping malls, you got fuel stations with charging facilities where they have uh, FMB ready for you to to relax. I think it's no issue. So, let's put all that aside, okay? Now, in terms of what you get for your money, 390000 you can say, I might as well go for the smaller milk. Maybe you want a bigger mug for space. You can say you can go for the competition. That's your design prerogative. I mean, if you like the design, you go for something else. If you want something outlandish. You might want something that's, you know, immediately noticeable as an electric vehicle. Please go ahead, because if you really saw this moving on the road, first impression is, oh, it's a nice looking GLC, you know?
1: Mm. Yeah, you probably wouldn't be able to uh,
2: notice, would you? Exactly. So this is where, you know, deferring Tesla, you know, will come in play. So this is the current EQC 400 formatic. it's been around a few years it's still on sale the price i think it's worth to look 390000 and remember this if you're going to buy a grey import electric vehicle you got no battery warranty you got no after sales warranty you got no recall uh, ability because why everything is not done for our zone the dealer will promise you a lot of things he cannot deliver but if you buy an original from a manufacturer, an electric car, everything is covered. 390000 Why you want to go and risk your money and pay it slightly less and buy a grey one that has got nothing to back you up with? That's all I'm saying.
1: I like it. All right. Let's uh, wrap up for uh, this evening's show then, folks. Uh, of course, you've been tuned into Cruise Control, the car show here on bfm if you did miss any part of the show we've been speaking about the mercedes glc 300 the volvo repair center in penang the peugeot 2008 se chevrolet making a comeback into our region possibly possibly not we don't know but of course that wonderful car review there of mercedes-benz eqc 400 formatic from daniel thanks daniel for that And if you missed any part of the show, don't forget you can download the podcast wherever you normally get it from. We recommend the BFM app. It's available in the Apple App Store or Google Play. For Chris Control, my name is Rich Brambury here on BFM 89.9.
0: You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station.